the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information about Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are going to talk about emotional baggage. And I thought to myself as I read this, you know, I really didn't make a title. I should have made some kind of an exciting title. But so the title today is simply Emotional Baggage. And if you listened to last week's show, we talked about this thing called love. And the show was entitled, I Want to Know What Love Is. And the ending part of that show was really talking about the need for self-care. That knowing what love is, is knowing how to love me so that I can love others better. And so one of the ways that I love myself, I care about myself, is that I need to heal from past hurts so that they don't come into my present and stay and and create a new future for me. So today, here's the points that we're going to be really talking about today. We're We're going to look at what is emotional baggage, what are triggers, how to recognize and what to do when you're triggered, what are your triggers, how to deal with baggage. We might talk about types of baggage and rules for creating a new and successful relationship. And then we're going to talk about the checklist that you need to go through before entering into a new relationship. So what is emotional baggage? Well, baggage occurs from trauma. Hurts, horrible situations, memories. Baggage is left over effect of a very painful occurrence in which we attribute a certain meaning, create a story about it. So I'm going to say that again. Baggage is the leftover effect of a very painful occurrence in which we attribute certain meaning, we create a story, it's a wound, a scar that still has energy in it. So emotional baggage is the unresolved wound, which is ready to be opened, just like your luggage is stuffed, and all you have to do is click and it pops open. So a trigger is similar to like a reflex response. The stove is hot, so I jerk my hand away to avoid being burned because I must have touched it in the past and I know the pain. So any event, emotional interactions, a smell, a gesture, a place, a word, tone of voice, these kinds of things, any of these types of things can be a trigger, which causes me to reflex, to either withdraw, avoid, shut down, or act out aggressively in defense or in self-protection. Because just as that hot stove burned me, And from now on, I have this reflex, I jerk my hand away. If someone that I'm in relationship with, or maybe it's at work, maybe it's um, a love relationship, it's a friend, 
they do something that triggers this past wound, I, my reflex is to jerk back or to become aggressive. So trauma responses, you have to understand, are not rational or logical to the present situation. The triggering action tells me I'm being harmed or will be harmed. It is a self-protection. It's an alarm that goes off. So the hardest part about being triggered is that it's triggering you back to the past, where in the present, there may be no harm. But because you had harm in the past, you're thinking you may have harm right now. So that present situation, that person or that place is now dangerous. It just is scary. And that something very bad is happening or going to happen to me. Or that somehow, somehow I'm feeling my, my life is in jeopardy. And these won't be necessarily conscious thoughts. But that's what's going on in my body. I'm having all kinds of feelings that I'm, all of a sudden the reality is shifted. So I've moved away from, I'm going to give you a little bit of understanding about the brain. I've, I, what happens when I'm triggered is I have moved away from the prefrontal lobe, which is the adult part of me, which can manage time, which can wait, which can delay gratification, which thinks logically and analytically. So I've moved from that part of my brain to what is called the limbic region. And there's, two, there's the sympathetic nervous systems are in that limbic region. And this is where the fight, flight, or freeze response is. So when I get triggered by something, I could be perfectly comfortable in an adult feeling, feeling like everything's okay, have some contentment. But one person says one thing, there's a vocal inflection, there's a way they, they were, walked, way they talked, way they smell, a song comes on, and all of a sudden I'm in the limbic system and I'm now in the fight, flight, or freeze. So another way to understand this phenomenon would be to think that I'm no longer in the adult part of my brain. I'm now in the adolescent child part of my brain. And when we're in the adolescent child-like part of our brain, everything takes on meaning. Everything is amplified. Everything is bigger. So the limbic system is in the right hemisphere. That's the right side of your brain. This is the experiential side. This part of your brain has no logic. It is purely survival and imaginative. The right side of the brain does not do higher-level abstract problem-solving or analysis. The right hemisphere does not think first. It acts first. Then it thinks, or might think. When you're in this side of the brain, time is very different. The ability to delay or suspend is nearly impossible. This is why you get into the fight-or-flight feeling. This hemisphere is very in the moment as, and does not see uh, any future ramifications. It is surviving that moment. So you and maybe your husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, friend can be having a discussion, and maybe it's a little bit difficult, and all of a sudden everything shifts, and you are no longer discussing. You are now having all kinds of feelings that you're being attacked, you're being misunderstood, um, the, the relationship is now in jeopardy, and so you're either going to want to argue more, justify or you're going to want to run away from that situation, or you're just going to freeze and have nothing to say at all. So it is very contextual, which means that what worked or made sense yesterday may be very different today. So all of a sudden, I'm in a completely different context. I'm not in the adult part of me that has a stable context. This is why it's difficult to think and control ourselves, because it is a more primitive part of our brain. This is why it feels so destabilizing. I can see, now that's the operative word, I see with my eyes there is no imminent danger. 
There's no guns. There's no fire, physical endangerment. However, what I'm feeling is that something is very, very dangerous, very big, very wrong, very destabilizing, maybe very shaming, very scary or crazy-making. And I'm experiencing more body sensations because my brain is shutting down. That prefrontal lobe is shutting down, and it's, all the blood is now going to my extremities so that I can fight or flee. So it makes it more difficult to think. So being in the sympathetic nervous system versus being in the prefrontal lobe causes me to feel this shift in reality. Everything was fine, and then all of a sudden it changed. Now I'm feeling weird, panicked, I can't think. I want to run away. I want to kill this person. I'm not even able to understand why I'm feeling things in such the extreme. I just know that I either want to run away, lash out, or shut down. So now I'm referring to situations where there really is no imminent danger under stress. It, it only feels that way. Somehow it feels unmanageable. So this trauma could have come from our family, school situation, a job, any relationship in which I experienced deep pain, any place we experienced victimization. So, again, emotional baggage, this occurs when we experience a hurt within a relationship and that hurt is not resolved or dealt with. We then internalize those negative feelings and we develop fears that we may or may not be aware of. We then go into the next relationship with these same fears and negative emotions that trigger negative irrational thoughts and behaviors within us. These behaviors then have a negative impact on that new relationship. So instead of protecting you from having the original hurtful experience repeat itself, these behaviors actually cause the experience to recur time and time again. The fears and hurt feelings only grow and now become more justified within your mind is correct. And this creates a cycle that you then feel unable to escape from in your romantic life or with your friends or in families. So this is what happens if the wound or baggage is not resolved and healed. So ignoring it or moving away from it or not thinking about it never heals it. That's a defense mechanism, not a healthy coping skill. We need to be in a safe enough place to address and experience that trigger so we can create corrective experiences for ourselves. We generally know that we are in a trauma response, we've gotten triggered, and we're in an old pattern if, if you're feeling like it's not authentic to that situation. And this is many times where couples... What I, what I say to them is they get into these emotional arguments that really don't have any content, any real um, factual issue. They are simply about how they are feeling about what the other person is doing or saying, and it doesn't have anything to do with what's really being said. And so the argument goes from, I was upset because you were late, to you don't love me, I can't trust you, you hate me, I feel crazy, um, you always do this to me. These These... Our, our, our responses where we know that there is some trauma. So every time we avoid or run away from or refuse to embrace and press into a trigger, we, we weaken and cripple ourselves. Now see, it feels protective, and there may have been a time when, when there was wisdom. We were, maybe we were, we were feeling fatally injured. But, but as we heal, the worst thing we could do is protect the injury as if it is current. We have to remind ourselves this is an old injury. I don't want to protect that old injury. I want to heal it. I may want to protect a recent injury so that I have time to heal, but, it, but an old one, I need to press into that one, look at it, see it, experience it, so I take the energy out of it. 
So it's imperative that we respect an emotional or physical injury. But once time has passed, it must be challenged, stressed, and strained after there has been an appropriate amount of time to heal. Otherwise, we just coddle and weaken what God wants to heal simply because we are afraid of the pain. You see, we have an emotional muscle as well as physical muscles. And if I don't strengthen them, if I don't strengthen my emotional muscle, it will, it will then be unable to handle new things in my life. And what happens is I get weaker and weaker and can handle less and less. And so my attempt to protect myself, my attempt to lessen pain, only causes me to have more pain because I become more sensitive and weaker. And so it's important that we don't shame ourselves, that we understand that when we have these types of injuries, that we, are res- we want to respect our tendency to want to protect. But we want to use that adult part of our brain that, that, for that wisdom that says, it's now time to heal. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next part of the hour, and we're going to continue to talk about emotional baggage. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and today we are talking about emotional baggage. And we originally started the show with talking about triggers and what triggers are. And triggers are those, those instances, those words, those, those vocal inflections, maybe a smell, a song, a sight, a place that rockets me back in my brain to a, a time in the past where there was incredible pain or injury. As soon as I get triggered then I have to feel I have the need to protect myself. So we talked about the different parts of the brain. And we're, we're generally, as adults, in the prefrontal lobe, which where there's analysis and logic and problem solving. When we get triggered, we go to the limbic system, which is the right side of the brain, which is all imagination, always totally in the moment. There is no logic, no problem solving. And we act first and think later. So the importance of healing from this emotional baggage is so that I I calm those triggers down. And when I heal from the emotional baggage, the triggers then go away. Because the trigger is trying to protect that emotional wound. So as soon as that wound is gone, the trigger is no longer there. So every time we avoid or run away from that trigger, because that trigger is going to lead us to emotional pain, we, we weaken and cripple ourselves. So it feels protective, but as we heal, the worst thing we could do is protect the injury and protect the injury as if it is a current injury. Because if it's a current injury, then of course we need time to heal. But if it is an old injury, an old emotional injury, then we are only going to cripple ourselves further. See, we have an emotional muscle as well as physical muscles. If I don't strengthen my emotional muscle, it will be experienced then through my physical realm. And my physical realm, because it is not engineered to process emotional feelings, will become compromised. So what we find with many people is if I stuff that baggage, that injury, and I don't feel it, and there's all kinds of energy in that wound, then it is going to go into my physical realm. And this is many times where we see people have chronic headaches, backaches, um, intestinal issues, 
uh, face breaking out, you know, neck and muscle, um, body strain, an overall feeling of malaise and a lack of energy. Because trying to manage that emotional energy in your physical body when it's not equipped to do that is very taxing. So what happens is it will break down my physical realm because it's not engineered to process those emotional feelings. These feelings are made up of all kinds of enzymes and amino acids and hormones. So they're a physical experience that manifests in our bodies. It's certainly not just thoughts. But I want to use that sensation of that feeling and I need to process it. Otherwise it stays in the physical realm. So think about this. If I heal from a near fatal physical injury and I refuse to stress the joints and the muscles that were injured, I will be permanently disabled and contribute to my own fragility. And we see this when people are hurt or they have surgery, they have hip replacement or knee replacements, and they don't want to do the rehab because it's painful. Well, then they're almost worse off after the surgery. So what we need to do is we need to face our emotional injuries and not shy away from them or avoid them. God wants to heal what has happened to us but we have to be willing to go where he is going. And he is going where the pain is. He always wants to relieve unnecessary pain. However, sometimes this means increasing pain. Always think about when you have been willing to rehab or recover from a physical pain. Well, emotionally, we want to do emotional rehab. So this emotional work God does, he wants to do this within us. He wants to have freedom in our relationships. He doesn't want us walking around trying to avoid landmines that the previous relationship planted. See, the directive here is the need to be people of courage that are willing to heal, face the pain of past relationships, so as to go on and experience the completeness of what God has for us, not as people that merely survive our pain and hope it never happens again, but rather heal from the pain and no longer are afraid, tentative or trepidatious, suspicious or cautious, but that we love, we, we love wisely and fully being able to withstand the hurts that are inevitable with human relationships, that we're no longer bound by the sins of the past or the hurts of the past, but that we are able to love freely, passionately, realistically, and maturely. See, if I don't heal from my past relational injuries, I go into my current relationship, I bring those into that current relationship, I get injured more, I'm more, I'm more, I have more difficulty engaging in that relationship. And so the past relationship steals from my current one. And I become emotionally more injured and more fragile. So let's, let's think about what are triggers? How do I recognize it? And what do I do? A trauma trigger is an experience that triggers a traumatic memory in someone who's experienced a trauma. And I don't want you to minimize any traumas you have. If it's if for you, it's, it's a trauma, then that's what it is. It's pain. It doesn't have to be justified or compared to anybody else's. So when we say the word trauma, sometimes people think, oh, that has to be something like I was um, raped or sexually abused. Anything that injures our soul is traumatic to the soul. Now, we can have traumas that are really big or traumas that are small. But either way, there's pain. So the trigger is thus this troubling reminder of a traumatic event. Although the trigger itself need not be frightening or traumatic. They can be quite diverse, appearing in the form of individual people, places, noises, images, smells, tastes, emotions. You can get triggered watching a movie, uh, hearing a song, someone's body position, the way they sit, the way they walk, weather conditions. 
all these different types of things may be attached to a memory. So triggers can be subtle and difficult to anticipate and sometimes exacerbate post-traumatic stress disorder. So a trauma trigger may also be referred to as a trauma stimulus or a trauma stressor. That we use different terminology sometimes. It is locked in the limbic system, and it's kind of like this kaleidoscope feel. One twist, and the entire picture looks different. So when I get triggered, all of a sudden everything looks and feels different, even though I haven't moved an inch. So what do you do when you're being triggered? The first thing is you recognize, wow, that kaleidoscope happened. Everything switched. What is going on with me? You need to make sure that you breathe because if you don't breathe, you'll be really locked in the limbic system and all of the blood and all the energy is going to go to your body and you're not going to be able to think. So you relax and you breathe. You tell the person that you're talking to, I need a moment. Please give me a moment. You do some internal checking. What's going on with me? Did this remind me of something? Am I feeling scared? Am I feeling angry? Am I feeling hurt? Am I wanting to run away? Am I wanting to lash out? What's the correct information here? What is really happening to me? Am I really in danger? And I look around, touch the chair I'm sitting in, feel my feet on the floor. This helps me to reground myself so I can think again. And I can recognize, okay, I'm getting triggered. This person isn't really harming me at all. This person is simply just being a human being. Maybe they're making some mistakes. Maybe they're floundering. But it's reminding me of a past relationship, a past situation. And that is not happening currently. So I can explain that to this person. If they're not a safe person, I might need to say to them, I I need to take a little bit of time. Can I uh, call you back in 20 minutes? Or I need to go out and take a drive. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to just think about some of these things. And you can get yourself centered and grounded again. So it's important that you recognize when the trigger happens and then that you relax and you breathe. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Come back after this uh, break, and we are going to continue our discussion on emotional baggage. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and we are talking about emotional baggage. So in the last uh, segment, we were talking about triggers. So I want you to think about what are your triggers? What are the things that cause that kaleidoscope to twist and make the whole world look different and make the whole situation feel different? So the triggers open the emotional baggage. Your triggers are those things that remind you of a past wound or hurt or offense. It then opens that thing you pack away and hoped that it was staying there. So your triggers indicate that something is not dealt with or resolved. Now, a trigger can be a gift from God, in a sense, because it's an indicator that you're not healed, because he always wants to heal us. A trigger is some incident or word or a subtle gesture. It's a sore spot. And the baggage in those things, people, memories, that cause us to say to ourselves, oh, I don't want to think about it. That's what that baggage is. Baggage is like, oh, it's back there and I don't want to look at it. It's like, I don't want to unpack my luggage when I come home from my trip. So it says, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to be reminded of it or even acknowledge it. And sometimes people think, well, that's giving it power. And what I say to them is, you're not giving it power. It's taking power from you. It has power in it. That baggage has power, lots of power and energy. And so you don't want to acknowledge it, but it's still there. 
and it's packed away, ready to fly out of the luggage at any moment. It's the elephant in the room that everyone's walking around. You know, it's that, it's that. oh, I'm walking around on eggshells because I don't want to step on that. I don't want to step into that. Instead of saying, you know, I'm not going to race into it, but I am going to press into it. So these are old things that you are currently toting around with you, weighing you down and creating more stress because it takes a lot of energy to keep it packed away. So not only does the baggage have energy, but it takes energy from you to keep it packed away. So think of how heavy your luggage can be and how nice it is when you only have one carry-on. I I had uh, come back from a trip about a month ago, and as I was packing my luggage, I I was stuffing things in and stuffing things in, and I thought, what does it feel like to be a piece of luggage? Well, we have that in us. What does that feel like? It's just stuffed in there. And so consider how stressed you feel when you have to address how much luggage you have at the airline counter. Because the baggage is so heavy, now you have to pay extra. Or maybe your traveling companion has to pay extra for you. So we need to see this dynamic in our relationships. Maybe I don't always have to pay extra for that baggage. But do the people in my life have to pay extra for that baggage? So how do we deal with baggage? Well, helping ourselves. There are ways that you can help yourself dump your emotional baggage. The first step towards doing it and overcoming it is to recognize it. Once you recognize that you're carrying these things along with you, you can, that they can become over, they can be overcome. So some tips for helping yourself with emotional baggage. Like we said, one, acknowledge the emotion. And sometimes when we have to acknowledge that we still have feelings, especially if it was a very painful relationship, one that we just want to pretend like never happened, there's this tendency that we might even get more feelings about the feelings we have. Like I'm really mad that I'm still hurt. That's okay. It's better to be working through that than to keep stuffing it and taking away from your current life and your future. So you don't blame yourself for how you feel. You understand it is very normal, and you always allow yourself to feel the emotions you may have been pushing deep inside. And so it is that ongoing grief and loss process until I get to acceptance of whatever that situation was, whatever it is that that person did to me, whatever it is that they stole from me, either financially, emotionally, socially, psychologically, spiritually, I have to be able to go through that and get it out of me. Otherwise, I'm just carrying around a bunch of luggage. And you see at airports how much luggage everybody has. Well, you can imagine we have a lot more emotional luggage that we're carrying inside of us than you see at the airport. So there's a lot of different ways that we can look at some of this. And we know that repetition is the mother of learning. So as we are working on dealing with this emotional baggage, I, I found this, this article from someone. She calls it this archaeological dig that you do. And so we're going to come up on a break pretty soon, and we're going to start with that one at the next break. But before, I want to read you this wonderful saying that Maya Angelou says. She says, History, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived, but if faced with courage, need not be lived again. I thought that was wonderful, that history, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived. But if faced with courage, it need not be lived again. So what we're wanting to do is we're truly wanting to make the past the past. We're not wanting the past to keep invading our present and creating a new future for us that we don't want. We don't continue to want the past to cause us to pay extra because we keep carrying that with us. So as we are resolving emotional baggage... I don't want you to avoid or run away from what that trigger is telling you. That trigger is saying, 
hey, there's, this still hurts. Because you saw one thing, one gesture, one voice, something in a movie that triggered that emotional pain. We want to press into that emotional pain. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment, and we are going to talk about the archaeological dig of baggage removal. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and we are talking about emotional baggage and the need to resolve that emotional baggage so that we don't keep paying for that wound as we carry it through our life. So this one particular author, her name is Lori Hollander, and she says she calls it your archaeological dig. So there's this way of conducting an archaeological dig so you will not have to repeat the past. So you first unearth. So unfortunately, that means we dig up your past with conscious intention and embrace it. But let me tell you, it's much easier to go there and dig it up than have it springing up at inopportune times when you're not sure what's going on with you. So it is much more advantageous to you to go there instead of it coming to you. If that, I hope that makes sense, that we want to go to the emotional pain versus the emotional pain coming to you. So after we unearth it, then we understand it. So we want to observe that information and learn about what happened, how it affected me, what choices I made about it, what stories I told myself about it, how I interpreted it, and how I want to then let it go. And that's part of the unraveling process. So I unearth it, I understand it, I begin to unravel it, which means I undo the knots. I ponder and analyze the underlying meaning of what you discovered, and you explore the various ways it influences you. And I certainly want to think about what did it teach me about myself? What were some things I found out about myself? And some of them may be good. Some of them may be amazing, valiant, admirable things about you that you realize that as I endured that pain, I found out I had maybe some more strength than I realized, found out I had more resiliency. But I also might have found out that, wow, I might have some immaturity. I might have some selfishness. I might have some unrealistic expectations. So the fourth one is I unlock. So I'm freeing myself from the past. As God is healing me and freeing me, I'm going where God is going, and he is going to the pain. And I share my story with my partner, with my best friend, with a safe person. And that helps us carry each other's baggage until it's completely cleared out. It's important to share your story because what it does is it validates the experience that you had so that you don't try to minimize and justify, which causes, that's one of those keeping that emotional baggage stuffed down inside of you. So as I tell my story, it isn't that I'm reliving it, it's that I'm undoing it. So don't be confused about the difference between reliving and undoing. Another way to let go of baggage is you want to identify your stuff. So you say, what caused me the most hurt? What do I resent about that past relationship? What generalizations do I make about relationships of the opposite sex now because of it? What am I angry about? What am I hurt about? So the first thing, the first step here is always identifying. So I want to say to myself, you know, what is the thing I'm the most hurt of, hurt over in my life? And I don't judge whatever comes up for me. 
Second part, I take responsibility for my part. Well, what was my part in this horrible situation? Whatever happened, what, what was my part in that? Did I brazenly rush into a relationship without thinking? Did I ignore warning signs that that, that, about this person? Was I, was I actively ignorant or naive? Was I selfish? Was I immature? What, what do I want? What, what is my responsibility? Did I go into it with some of my woundedness myself and exacerbated the, the dysfunction of that relationship? And then I forgive that person that hurt me. Forgiveness is extremely important. And remember that forgiveness does not mean I'm saying it's okay now. Forgiveness means that I'm realizing I can't go back and get from that person what I need. Similarly to banks are charging off loans because it's an uncollectible debt. And if they don't charge it off, they can't move on. It's extra weight on the ledger. So charging off someone's debt that they owe me, that's forgiveness. It doesn't mean that I'm saying it's okay or that it wasn't as bad as I, as I thought it was. So I'm turning problems into solutions. So I turn my focus away from what you did not like in the past to what you want in the future. So I say, thankfully, it is the past. It's not my future. I can have a different future. So how do I want that next relationship to be? Or the one that I'm currently in? How can I make this one better as I resolve that past so I can be fully present with this person and not have any distraction happening subconsciously or consciously about my past. So I visually imagine myself packing up those past hurts, throwing that baggage out the window. And I do that repeatedly. Whatever that word is that they said, whatever that mood is, whatever behavior they did, I visualize putting it in the past, throwing it back there and saying, it is there, it is dead. But I have to make sure that I've resolved those feelings. And then I'm going to find evidence that it can be different. So oftentimes, you've had an unhappy experience in the past, and it's hard to believe it will be different in the future. So it's important that we look around for evidence that it can be different and better. Even if that means that we look at other people and say, you know what, God, if you can do that for them, I know, I believe you can do it for me. And if I'm having a hard time with that belief, I say, God, help me with my unbelief. I'm having a hard time believing because I'm so hurt, I don't want to hope. But we have in Romans, it says, hope will not disappoint us. Our hope is in God, and he will not disappoint. So remind yourselves that it is imperative to press in, to look at it, to unearth it, to identify it, to not be afraid of it, to go there with God, because that's where God is going. That that it's not reliving it, it's actually undoing it. So experiencing that feeling and bringing it to the surface and telling your story is part of releasing yourself from the bondage of the past so that your past doesn't keep coming into your future. So what are maybe some, some other types of baggage that we might do as a result currently? So because we had a bad experience, we create new baggage for ourselves. So we might do things like projecting. So if we were judged by the person in a past relationship, we might project onto that new relationship, they're judging me, when that that new person may not be doing that at all. But our trigger is hearing it that way. Or maybe you're a little paranoid. We get a little suspicious. If you had some unfaithfulness in, in the past relationship, it's hard to not be suspicious and a little paranoid. That alarm system keeps kind of going off because it doesn't want to settle down because there was so much pain. So one of the things that's important is if you, if you truly don't trust your current partner, 
then you need to be doing some therapy and find out, you know, they may be doing some things actually that, that are causing some of that paranoia or suspicious, suspicious feelings. But if not, then you don't want to get into any of the, the snooping, the um, trying to find out all that information to, to try to convince yourself that they're not doing anything, you know, inappropriate. Because all you do when you do that is you keep that trigger going and you keep that wound going. You have to say to yourself, I either trust this person or I don't. And, I, and God help me with my lack of trust and how painful and scary it is for me to trust. And if your partner is a trustworthy person, you tell that person, I am so sorry that I don't trust you today. I am really struggling with my past. It is just flaring up and it's all over me and I am frightened out of my mind. Will you please reassure me? And so there are ways as we are doing our relationships that our partners, our friends can help us with that baggage. Maybe you're comparing yourself or your partner to past people. And you're saying, well, they do do this better, but they don't do that better. It's very imperative that we don't do comparing and contrasting of of people in relationships of the past, that we truly love the person in the present. That's the one that we have. That's who we are with. And we don't compare them to anyone but themselves. So my, my current partner, husband, I'm going to compare him to himself. And I can continue to say, wow, he's really growing. This is exciting. That's, that's the only comparison I'm allowed to do, just as I'm only allowed to compare myself to myself. Maybe another kind of baggage that you carry with you now because of the other past emotional baggage is you throw up walls. So you throw up walls because you're not really letting somebody in. You're too afraid that if they really do know you, they're going to really hurt you. And if you really let yourself be vulnerable, you're going to have the same experience you had previously. So I have to say to yourself, Throwing up walls, using that defense mechanism is going to ensure that this relationship doesn't work. I am doing self-sabotaging behavior. So you're holding back from commitment. So you're, in, you're dating someone, and because you can't resolve the past, you just can't quite get to that commitment level. You keep stalling, digging your feet in, making excuses. And if it's not truly about that person, then you need to look at, I don't want to lose this current relationship because I'm afraid when I made a commitment the last time, it was a disaster. So if we look at some, some significant things that we want to do as we are creating a new relationship, first, we want to leave a significant amount of time between leaving one relationship and then creating another. And generally, we like to say a year, and I know people just look at me like I have two heads. But it's imperative that after a very significant breakup, that you experience all the new things in one year by yourself, all the major holidays, all those Saturdays, all those Friday nights, all those birthdays, all those events that you used to go to with that person, that you let yourself feel that without the person. And so it's very helpful to allow yourself to have some time. We as Americans do not understand time. We think that we can just get over it in in a week, or we think that the best way to get over a bad relationship is go find another good one. And what you find, and you know, if you have not resolved the past, you're going to recreate it. So you're going to find a new person to go through the same issues that you had in the last one. Secondly, you do the forgiveness work. You do this before you are in a relationship with a new person. You need to forgive the old one, or you're going to be projecting or being suspicious like we talked about last time. That old relationship is going to creep into your new one, and you're going to start feeling some of those same things unless you resolve that past. So you do radical forgiveness. 
Now, you be clear about what you want and what you don't want. So you really take some time to reflect and say, what is it I'm really looking for in a relationship? The better I know myself, the better I know what I need. And then when you do find someone that you're dating for at least six months, really just watch how they handle their life. And really let yourself take the time to see who this person really is. And if those qualities are really enduring that we're attracting you. And then the last one that I, that I say to people, and I, sadly I have to say this um, when I didn't used to previous years, but I have, to, I have to tell people now because we are so fast in the way we do things and we just want immediate things, I will say to clients often, please, if you start dating someone, please, just like McDonald's gives a 90-day probationary period before you're permanent, and that's only a minimum wage job, it's imperative that you give at least 90 days before you get benefits and make it permanent. So 90 days is a pretty important time because people can't fake it after 90 days. The three-month time in a relationship is usually when people break up. If they don't, then we see if they make it to six and nine and a year. And after they make it a year, we start measuring it by years. So as we're looking at this last part, I want to, I want to ask myself if I'm really ready for a new relationship. Am I willing to take the time to heal? Am I learning to listen to my gut and understanding my baggage? I need to tune into my internal dialogue. What story do I tell myself or about others or about myself? How am I acting? Or am I still doing similar patterns or reactions? Have I forgiven myself? Have I forgiven my ex? Am I exploring and facing those patterns in my life? Am I being honest about my character flaws? And am I willing to be courageous and change the things that need to be changed versus hoping that they go away or just get better with a new person? And then would I want to be with me? Do I admire myself? Do I like spending time with myself? This is imperative to understand that that needs to be resolved. That if you don't like being with you, if you don't like you, why would we expect somebody else to? Because you're going to be projecting that onto them. So I need to look at the last relationship or most significant one I was in. And I need to look at what is it that I am not over? What is it that I am not through? And then we think about, if I don't like myself, if I don't love myself, I will end up teaching that new person to not like me and to not love me. Thank you for joining me. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay anytime at KPXQ1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.